Hello and welcome on in. It's time for some fights. We're time to get combat wild. Josh Custodio and your boy the Zoobs are here. Uh, it's the Wrestling Brain podcast feed, but we are doing it. We're making the combat sports show. Uh, it's going to be UFC pay-per-view previews. We did, a, we did I want to say, three of these behind the paywall at Less Than Jays and on yours at Wrestling Brain. Josh, want to make sure we find an audience of this and also want to supplement our podcast feed, which now has comics in the combat zone. On Tuesdays with our pal Jordan Ducharme going through the history of combat zone wrestling as well as when we can when the show doesn't fucking explode in our hands uh, revealing <laughs> <laughs> recordings of the Wednesday night dynamite reviews that's two nights that's two days a week we wanted to add a monthly uh, the pay-per-view previews for UFC because we are two uh, pretty big UFC fans you are I will tee up sort of how this works for people who weren't behind the paywall before I'm pretty new slash casual to this I've been watching UFC um, back now monthly, I would guess a little over a year. I've been talking to you about it um, a little over a year. Uh, that's something I was do I did when I was in college, which is 15 years ago. Uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> had sort of fallen out of it some pieces here and there. But now, really, sort of caught back into it and caught back into it. You never left. You are a shit-eating wild man for this stuff. An absolute encyclopedia. It's been a ton of fun for me to learn about it through talking to you about it. I'm sprinkling in some of my uh, fresh eye observances. You're sprinkling in some of the seasoning. Uh, I really like doing these. I think we got. I think we have a good mix and a, and a winning combo here. Well, that's very nice of you to say, Zoobs. And I also love this bolstering of the podcast feed that we have together. It gets me excited because uh, you you called these UFC previews on our uh, core show, Double Dudes, the other day. You said, this is our vanity project. And it <laughs> is so is. It <laughs> so is because this is uh, certainly me, and I think I, I can speak for you here too, trying to like will a combat sports umbrella into existence <laughs> for this space, parlaying into MMA brain years down the road. Like this sort of thing would be exciting to us. And this is our, uh, ex exactly right. I think that one of the least listened to things that either of us do, but I love doing them too. I look forward to it. And in terms of my experience with the UFC, all I'll tell people, all they need to know is I've seen every UFC main card that's ever happened. Oh, that's bananas. 100% of them. That's incredible. Uh, and that continues this weekend in Las Vegas, Nevada, UFC 290, uh, bringing it back for this, because I got to tell you, I think, and, and this is uh this is a big proclamation for me i think alex volkanovsky is my first favorite fighter since returning love this love this what is it that you like so much about uh the great it was the the fight against islam and which we will get into here in a minute um i had sort of because it was i was again relatively new to this i'd only seen volk in the rankings at the very top and i was like I'm just assuming this is the best guy because 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 the rankings. Why would they lie with the rankings? What would they gain from that? <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> but you have one versus two, and talking to you about it, previewing that going into that fight, um, it was like Islam's probably going to beat him because he's a weight class up and he's a superior wrestler and he's shown so much. And Islam is probably the true best guy. And I went to that and and did see Islam put his game plan to 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 work and do the things he was supposed to do and dominate. But it leapt off the screen to me as like Volk is a champion. He carries himself like a champion. Yeah. There was there wasn't a moment in that fight that he was like, "Oh, I can't win this." There wasn't a moment in this fight where he was like, "I gotta, I gotta protect myself and not die here." He was, you know, on there's the great shot of him on the ground, 
you know, just like getting the crowd going because he's like, I want to fucking get up here and 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 represent what it means to be number one, what it means to be the champion. It really like exuded out of him for me as like that's what a UFC division champion is. That's what a number one number one guy in your company is. Is he is? It's never give up. It's fighting spirit. It's that Modelo brood for the fighting ah. spirit. Like <laughs> I, I could see it in him in spades. So super excited to see him back uh, in what I consider his division. Uh, fighting for his rightful belt again yeah i think that specific fight against islam going up the weight class all the things that you laid out so well a whole other layer to it and i think why alex volkanovsky we talk about in wrestling getting over in a loss can you lose and still have your profile go up and i think everyone would agree that an alexander volkanovsky versus islam makachev alex volkanovsky did lose but his profile skyrocketed and this feeling of a champion that you laid out and i think that's really because we've seen the style that islam employs which is the dagestani top style pressure wrestling is so unstoppable and when they're winning fights they look so out in the lead. Like they're not beating people 2-1. They're beating people 100 nothing. And it's not, you know, Habib is the ultimate version of this. But really, the guys out of that smash factory can't be their cousin Umar Nurmagomedov or, or Islam. Or there's uh, not out of their same camp, but at the same time, Zabit uh, Meripasheripov. And it's like, I'm sorry, Megamedasheripov. And these guys are such one-sided freight trains that to see somebody put up not only resistance, but active offense and moments where you're like, they, they hit the fifth round of that fight. It went to the judges. If somebody says, hey, I, personally, I had Islam winning. I thought the judges got it right. But if somebody said Alex Volkanovsky won that fight, I have no issue with it. And in that, you can really grow. You don't need to win, but uh, by the skin of his teeth against somebody who normally looks so dominant. So let's talk about uh, the main event. Well, it is we're already talking about it. We're already talking about sort of Volkanovski um, appeal and the and the aura he's giving off. I mean, the record as well, speaking for itself, have it pulled up here. I mean, three wins against Max Holloway, beating Brian Ortega, beating Jose Aldo, um, really owning this division. I, I saw some of the discussion, as it always does in sports media, is is he the greatest featherweight of all time? But um, talking through a little bit, sort of this matchup with with Yair Rodriguez, a guy that looked really great in in jumping up and filling the absence and setting up like it's it's an enticing fight. Like this is an exciting guy. Um, Mexican MMA on the wave uh, is sort of the the thing coming into it. But you know this isn't a this isn't a lame duck guy. Yair Rodriguez, fifteen and three, ten and two. Josh Emmett also has Ortega lost to Holloway. Right. Uh, in 2021, but I mean that's Jesus three years ago at this point. Uh, sort of take me through how you see this here, because I'm I'm super hyped. This seems like a great match of styles to me. Not really in style, but just tonally. Volkanovsky reminds me of George Saint Pierre in the way that he is so well rounded that when you're previewing his fights, it's like, okay, what are we throwing up against the wall? Because this one guy, he you can you can bring him to any. He knows the two step. He knows how to disco. He knows how to salsa. There's no dance you're bringing him to where he's not going to be adequately prepared. So what's better for that? Is it to better to be a well rounded fighter? You know, there's plenty of archetypes of this. Or is it better to be a specialist who's, you know, you have a clear game plan, you have something that you want to engage on your terms of, and most importantly, you might have an edge on the super well-rounded champion. And this is why I like this matchup against Yair Rodriguez, who is ostensibly a striker, not a purist. He's a great ground game. We just saw him win by submission. But if, if, you, if you said, okay, you got to fight for your life. What's your one chosen style? You have to enter a tournament, your man's kickboxing or, or the Muay Thai tournament, something where he can let his hands fly. And that is... 
tremendously interesting against Alexander Volkanovsky to me. I don't know if your our listeners are going to be familiar with this, but Yair Rodriguez has maybe the best comeback KO in the history of human pugilism. He hits the most <laughs> unbelievable elbow from behind. You must go look it up on Korean Zombie at the last second of a round five fight. When you see someone do that, it registers in your mind forever. He can be losing this fight, and if he is forcing things into his lane, he is the hammer and everything has to be a nail here. He has to be looking for his best shot and hope that Alex Volkanovsky will engage him at distance. Alex Volkanovsky gets to do what he does in every fight. Mix it up. How's he feeling in the moment? Does he want to switch stances? Does he want to clinch? Does he want to shoot a takedown? He's going to be engaging on his terms. I and mean, Yair has to find ways to, when it's when it's in his realm, capitalize. Give you an idea of the lines. I have this uh, Thursday night on bet 365, which is just what I use, not endorsing it in any way. Uh, Volkanovski minus 400, Yair Rodriguez wow. plus 300. So heavy favorite uh, Volkan and moderate uh, underdog there. For Yair, your your most likely plus one ten is uh, Volk by decision, plus one sixty by stoppage, plus eleven hundred for Yair uh, on points. So there's your least likely. Mm-hmm. But that that does that feel too strong to you? You sort of had a bigger you had a big reaction to that. Definitely too strong. Yeah, it discounts what this board is to some degree, which I absolutely favor Alexander Volkanovsky to win this fight. He's a great champion. He's the sort of guy five rounds does something for. He knows how to win rounds, knows where he is in a fight, and paces it out. But the idea that he couldn't get kicked in the head by Yair Rodriguez and end up on skates for 30 seconds that changes his future, I don't know how you arrive at minus 400. Out, that, that's that's big numbers that's he minus 400 is he almost never wins this fight and that is not how i view this whatsoever does that handicap sort of hit you correct is yeah you're that big of an underdog it's a weird card in this way a lot of these fights are tilted heavier than i would i would ever think especially like you said we're talking about a striker you're talking about a guy that um even if even if folks best case out of here best way out of here is five rounds it's going to have to be all 25 minutes eyes not that i don't think he will because he is a champion but like you said it's gonna have to be the full 25 minutes of focus the full 25 minutes of control the full 25 minutes of keeping himself in the right spots keeping himself you know mixing the paces mixing the levels um he's very capable of doing it i would have had it probably closer to three 300 325 maybe like okay, it does so still seem, pretty steep to you does seem a little steep you know you're you're, you're basing this on the fact that well, I mean, at least i am and i think the book probably is as well is that like at featherweight he basically hasn't been um not that he hasn't been touched but it's sort of he's really owned featherweight and and you know going to fight islam was just like in search of any challenge from what he yeah. where he was at the time i think that's playing into it also of course vegas uh is trying to get your money so don't forget that and that is what odds are. They are just things to entice betting. It's not like some super read on a fight. It gives you a loose, loose idea of who they think is going to win or lose. That does benefit the better bet, uh, handicappers to get right. But they are made to incentivize bettings. But all the, like if I'm a Alex Volkanovsky, that guy there, I'm looking for him inside the distance, maybe TKO on top late, because they're probably going to be the only way you'll find value on him. Yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough fight to find value. Um, I will be. This is it doesn't happen a lot right now it, it does you know, it happens every card but uh is this is a big i am going to get to like very heavily cheer i'm very heavily right cheering on. for my guy volk here and Love also that. my first my first pick in our in our fantasy draft as well oh that's right from, 
But uh, I, don't, I hope he does it. My little, little bald king. He's the first guy that I was like, I want to buy merch for. And he's, he's You're my guy. explaining. Yeah, I, I'm seeing how it all came together. He does have a couple uh, good family guys, sort of down to earth relative to some other fighters. Yeah, yeah. I see the Zoobs connection. Cool name, uh, like a little bit un Australian. So you, you would maybe think with a name like Alexander Volkanovsky that he was like Russian, right? He's Australian has the has the the great ties to the, some of those great gyms. Being Australian, you think he'd be annoying, and he isn't. Uh, so that and he isn't. Yes, he used to be incredible. a pretty good interview when you see him interviewed by people. Um, seems to be the guy that like gets the both respect of it and sort of the smack talk of it. Sort of seems to get all of it. Really, again, as I said, just really seems to carry himself like a champion in the way that I really uh, jive with. Agreed. He he does feel championship quality. He he feels like the guy in the division in a really great way, and he has grown into that role over the last little while. Uh, it's a anything else on on Volk uh, Yair? Not especially. Besides, I think Yair is live any minute that he's on his feet in this fight, and that isn't always the best recipe for a win. And that is a strategy that can be gassed out by clinch work and making you know lactic acid rush to your arms, but. I, I think that Yair will put up a a valiant effort in moments and we'll probably even get moments where it's like, oh, is Yair snapping him on the feet? Okay, we might have something here. But ultimately, we'll go with uh, Alex Volkanovsky to pick up uh, a late, I'll go with a late TKO here, late fourth round, fifth round uh, TKO from the top position from half guard from Alex Volkanovsky, my official prediction. Love that. Uh, I think Volk in the points. I just think it's going to be like, as you said, I think, I think maybe he does. We have, we have maybe somewhere in round two, round three. It's like, is year doing this? And then deep water. I think, I think Volk gets the tentacles in and he sort of champion shows why he's the champ. Yeah. That's sort of, that's sort of where my, where my mind's eye is taking me at this moment. Did mention Yair, the, sort of the wave of, of Mexican MMA we're seeing pop up. You have Yair as the interim champion at featherweight. You have uh, Alexa Grosso as a women's yep. champion and Brandon Moreno, your UFC flyweight champion in your co-main five rounds, five minutes apiece. Uh, co-main event, Brandon Moreno um, taking this championship after like a huge back and fight, fighting, basically fighting Figueredo over yeah. and over again. For, 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 for most of his adult life, he's been fighting a man <laughs> named Davison Figueredo. Uh, I don't know how you all feel about that, but it's a tale as old as time going back. Oh, it's a wee lad of the first time I fought Davison. Uh, wins by stoppage, but was in control. Uh, stoppage after the third round on an iron injury was ahead on points uh, through the three rounds, and it wasn't like a eye poke. It was like a damn, this dude's eye is getting fucking pummeled in. Um, an interesting spot. This division, as we sort of mentioned, um, not hung up with Figueroa and, and Moreno, but sort of those two guys um, papering up atop of the division. He's now yeah. facing uh, Alex Pantoja. Uh, a guy that I know you, uh, I think you grabbed him in this draft. I could be, I could be wrong, but a guy that went fairly early in, in his scene as a competitor, uh, a, a, a guy that definitely could reach up and snatch this quickly. Uh, 365 has it minus 200 Moreno plus 170 Pantoja. So moderate on both sides, but some money there on Pantoja. Pantoja 25 and five, Moreno 21, six and two, 29 years old against 33 year old challenger Pantoja. Uh, how do you see this coming in as 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 Brandon Moreno finally puts uh, the the quadrilogy uh, behind him, the assassin baby? The assassin baby, but he does find himself in another trilogy of sorts as his opponent holds two wins over him, Zoobs. This is uh, this is rare for a champion to, to find himself in this situation where Israel Adesanya had to fight a ghost from his past in this situation. 
And am I wrong? Is he only beat him once, Supes? No, you're absolutely right. He beat him oh. uh, UFC Fight Night 129 in 2018. Uh, you didn't make a decision. And, then, and uh, what was it? Ultimate Fighter Season 24, uh, Rear Naked Choke. Right, in the they fought round. on TV. Right, right, right. Yeah. But still, so, it's two losses. It's not like it's not two losses. Uh, for sure. But when you think about that, Zoobs, even though there's no, you'd be hard pressed to find a guy who's a bigger fan of me than Brandon Moreto. Maybe, maybe besides our usual pal, uh, the great John Cullen. He also loves him. But I love Brandon Moreno. But I'm just talking, I'm just talking, let, let's say you and I were to fight Zoobs, which would never happen. But, but let's mm -hmm. say it happened. And you whip my ass twice. You'd beat me up. And oh, yeah, okay. Well, okay. You, you've got, at two times, you've got my number, right? Like yeah, at that, I would at, think at so. two, if we're 0 2, you have my number. And then I go on to greatness and I'm beating so and so and, and, and who's gal and jabroni number three. And then you work your way up and you've got to face me again. That's got to be the scariest matchup in the division, no matter the point in time. Am I wrong in saying this? We've seen it play out. You you adequately said it there with adequately accurately said it uh, with Adesanya. This is this is a real thing, and this is a this is part of what makes this sport so interesting. Is sort of like a guy can just have your counter or or can have your number or can have your in your in your mind because you're right you look at it the last five years moreno's record's pretty squeaky aside from the uh, the loss to figueredo you go you have to go back and pantoja's the last ufc loss there's some jujitsu stuff but like in terms of mma losses he's he, this kai kara france is a win in there brandon roy val is a win in there kara france again and then the, and the two against figueredo is the only guy that's gotten him really since 2018 in the UFC, you go back to Sergio Pettis, 2017, the last time he lost somebody other uh, than Figueredo or Pantoja. Well, to speak with example, uh, all-time great welterweight champion Matt Hughes, awful guy. I hate Matt Hughes, but he's one of the most dominant <laughs> champions the UFC ever had. Rotten guy, but, but one of the best champions they ever had. Very dominant, fantastic fighter. Has two losses on his record to a guy named Dennis Hallman, who submitted him twice. Dennis Hallman is such a worse fighter than Matt Hughes. It would be hard to like put words to. Like in their careers, <laughs> Dennis Hallman barely be, comes across as journeyman, and Matt Hughes is Hall, no brainer Hall of Famer. And yet, Dennis Hallman beat him twice. And I'm not saying Alexander Pantoja is going to do that my, to my beloved assassin baby and Brandon Moreno, but I do wonder entering this fight, it's hard for me to outright pick Brandon Moreno, even though we have seen Israel Adesanya come back from this now, winning their fourth encounter uh, between him and. Alex Perea, but I don't know. I, I I find that's the wagon circling this. This is hard for me to get away from Zoops. How much does that have to play in here? And how much do we need to just say, but in a vacuum, who wins between these guys in 2023? Yeah, especially when you look like we haven't seen uh, Pantoja in almost a year. His last fight is July right. 30th um, in the undercard of USC 277. And he did um, look fantastic there for the record. 100%. And, and we're naked choke wins uh, early in both of his last two fights. Tapped out Brandon Roy Bow in the August uh, before that. Nine and three, uh, six of them by stoppage, four of them by sub again, including the last two. Uh, I think you have to, I think you have to factor it in. I, I want to believe to a degree that like you can, you can sort of do the like since that almost sliding doors moment, like Moreno has been up and around the upper crust for longer, right? You could say yeah. like he he not only has he leveled up, he leveled up sooner. And and the the trials of going through the Figueredo thing so many times and repeating that and growing and being better. And then at the end, very clearly being like very clearly being the superior fighter in the last fight. Um and like Kai Kara French was a guy in this division who was sort of nipping, always nipping at the heels, but 
that upper upper cross sort of dealt with him. Yeah. Um, I think is sort of an interesting look at where he is. Does that help you when you step in against the guy that is is your last like your last real low in the octagon, or does it flip and you you're like I can't wait to prove that I'm a different guy than I was five years ago. I lean down yeah. uh, on the assassin baby. I think you know getting the Figueredo thing behind him and able to being able to get that focus of like what's left for me here now that I've climbed this mountain. It's like, oh, I have the one other thing I have. My What's my unfinished business? And that unfinished business is going and finding Pantoja. I think it would be a little different. Um, and listen, it's it's if it was if it was like Adesanya, right? And he had had the lengthy title run and he'd been champion forever. And it's like, I've conquered everything where it's like, for me, it feels like Moreno's at the beginning of that journey where he's like, I, I finally put aside the thing that was keeping me from like 100% focus on being the champion. And now that he's accomplished it, it's like, how do I want to start my championship reign? Yeah. I want to write the one pock mark off my record in the last five years. I want to get that out of the way right away and say, okay, now it's anybody who has a problem with me can come get it because I am totally Teflon. All my ghosts are exhumed. So I I lean toward that being the the mindset for the assassin baby. But well, I don't know. Where, where are you on, on Pantoja in general and, and his chances here? No, I arrive at the same conclusion as you, largely on data because – this is why I hate these immediate rematches in MMA because you don't get that much data to begin with in this sport. You actually don't see guys fight a lot of different guys. It sounds sort of silly, but you might see somebody in their UFC career fight a dozen different people. Like That's very realistic. And so when you are spending four of them on the same guy, I know how Brandon Moreno matches up against Davison Figueroa, and I've seen him. You said grow throughout that series, and I think that's true. And maybe my read's wrong on this, but I do also read Davison as not on the decline, but his effort seemed in flux at parts during their feud in a way that Moreno's never did. I was always certain you were going to get full assassin baby going at it. And so on one hand, you only really know how he's fought against Davison. But like you pointed out, we got nothing on Pantoja. Two first-round submissions in his last two fights and then a long time off. So this is why, do I rely on the old fights? Or do I simply say, Moreno has been in more five-round fights, has been more active, and is more fight-ready. Their past is long ago, and Pantoja's been off. It, it, how I feel like that doesn't play as much as it should. Even though the two wins are there, Moreno can put it into different terms than he did at those points, whereas I felt like Israel and Alex were always destined to basically kickbox one another. Right. And, and Moreno has tools where if he's like, whoa, Pantoja's getting a little tricky on this striking, he goes, well, we're, we're going to go on the heels boxer mode. He knows how to do that. Uh, this is We've seen him do it. So simply for tools in the toolbox and minutes in the octagon, I'm going to pick Brandon Moreno, but I do think that people are writing off and Mandosha does have he can get tired which is rare for the division and I think makes people discount him kind of early but he does fight hard early and that does make you tired and if you're not ready for that initial assault Aljamain Sterling beat Corey Sandhagen by doing this Sandhagen's finding his footing oh hey we're about to fight well you're dry as a bone and I'm in an arm triangle like hang on it what, what are we doing here uh that can happen too and so I'm picking Brandon Moreno but I'm very excited for this co-main event what a quality top of the card um Plus 165 Moreno uh, by stoppage, plus 190 Moreno on points, plus 325 Pantoja by stoppage, plus 500 on points. So there's your 
likely outcomes. A, a really good, a really good top two moments of this card. This is this is those two must see title matches for me. I'm I'm pretty excited right. and. Uh, Boy, a weird one. A weird one before these. It's Bobby ah. Knuckles, Robert Whitaker against Drickus Duplessis. Um, a guy that, you know, I've seen him fight twice now. And it's the maybe maybe the strangest consistent winning guy that I've seen in quite some time. Every fight, I'm like, is this guy like about to collapse? Is he like done? <laughs> like, is he, yeah, is, is he exhausted? Does he know where he is? And then all of a sudden it's like eight of a run. It's like boom, boom, and you're like, whoa, what, what just happened? Completely flipped it. I think the the most recent one uh, against, I want to say it was Derek Brunson, where you're like, man, Brunson's mauling this guy, and then like, no, it's a stoppage at the end of round two. Boom. It's like craziness. Um, looks like he walks into the cage gassed, almost, almost like a, almost like a legend of drunken master against uh, Robert Whitaker, who you know when we looked at the middleweight championship picture before. Izzy sort of regain regain that crown, and we had, um, you know, we weren't sure if Izzy was going to have the rematch. It was like, well, Robert Whitaker would 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 uh, would win the title if you, if you if you got him a chance to go up against uh, the champ. He would he would he would grab Pereira and put him to the ground, and it would be over. Um, sort of a funny way of like basically not writing him off, but saying like he's not getting another look at, at Asanya. But if you gave him anybody else in the division, he would ragdoll them. Um, this is definitely the prove it spot for Drakus Duplessis, who was like um, the one that was calling out uh, Adesanya the most, and the one that Adesanya actually talked to the most. This is very much the like, oh yeah, go ahead and beat Robert Whitaker, and then yeah. we can talk about it. Um, but here, that opportunity is um, Bobby Knuckles' heavy favorite, from what I see. I have Whitaker uh, once again Thursday night minus same as the main event minus 400 for Robert Whitaker plus 300 for Drakus Duplessis. Am I crazy for looking at that and going, boy, that is some value on DDP, especially at plus 450 via stoppage for a guy that they seem to want to be in the conversations with the big names. Yeah, that's really a smart thing to point out at the very end you said there, that, you know, the matchmakers, when they're building stars, often know something we don't in one way or another. Is Robert Whitaker on the decline in the way that these experts who study them day in and day out have seen we haven't? But but for me, cards on the table, just a giant Robert Whitaker fanboy. He's one of my all-time favorites in any way class. I think he just seems like a great guy, sort of above a lot of the bullshit. But mostly I just think he's incredible at fighting. In every position you could put Robert Whitaker in, he's great. And he was a middling welterweight and then just a phenomenal middleweight which is so weird and i love that for him and i just think that driscus now if i'm if i'm going down your path in a three-round fight which is what they have here mm -hmm. that that favors driscus because driscus can go okay i could dump the tank i can i can go i got two he's got two hard rounds in him presumably and then he can see where things are at and that's a nice way to be able to approach a fight if you're him but man, I I've just I've seen this before, and it, I agree with the odds makers on this. It just feels like too much too soon for me. I think Robert Whitaker, man. I think people you, you should go back and rewatch the Israel Adesanya Robert Whitaker rematch. I mean, you can make the argument Whitaker wins that fight. He is he is very good and very well rounded, and I suspect knows the weapons that DDP is coming with, which are going to seem sort of basic relative to what Robert can offer. I don't have a ton of analysis on it. I think it's a little bit Bobby Knuckles by whatever he wants. But, of course, 
Driscus is a guy who wants to throw bombs. And if you connect, you know, anybody at that size who knows how to punch incredibly hard, he lands flush, but it's Bobby Knuckles has a great chin too. Um, Bobby Knuckles 13 and two since a 2014 loss to Steven Thompson. Um, basically he loses Steven Thompson and both of those two losses, of course, to Israel Adesanya beating uh, Brad Tavares, Uriah Hall, Derek Brunson, Yoel Romero twice, Darren Till, Jared Karananier, Kevin Costello, and most recently Marvin Vittori. You also can't, September. you could not possibly understand how good those two Romero wins are. He was fighting the Terminator. Pete on <laughs> steroids, Cuban ass Romero was the best fighter at 185 and he could not get past Robert Whitaker. I mean, Robert Whitaker had to basically die for 50 minutes. <laughs> He's openly spoken about it. He's like, that was the worst experience of my life. I had to fight that guy twice. But just really two great wins back to back. Of his 15 wins, 10 by decision, 5 by knockout. Um, Duplessis, a weird, you know, we the, the step ups, there's levels to this shit is a great line that I'm seeing a lot of people say is sort of like the idea of like you can look really good against certain people and then you step in there with a real a real guy and it's like whoa this is uh almost not... daniel cormier said that about that's who popularized yes. it in mma i forget he was like the guy was like is he gonna wrestle me like there's levels to this shit was it josh barnett maybe i can't remember um a, a run of wins not a lot of them worth you know really you got darren till and Derek brunson uh in the last couple yeah. of years brad tavares uh in a fight that brad tavares did not look good in um guys that he basically is outlasting those other two and then as i said sort of like legend of drunken master finding yeah. himself into boom boom and the entire tenor of the fight uh shifts he, he, he is a guy that i have seen seemingly lose round one a lot and then suddenly two minutes into round two the other guys on the on his back um a really weird guy to to follow and to see in this spot but um, we're also hard up for Izzy opponents, right? If, if Pereira's moved and Israel on, wants to fight him and Israel wants to fight him as he is calling himself, uh, what the real African because he's from South Africa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it, it, it also yeah. does need to be said that that trait that you were describing there, that he can outlast guys and come back to win and still be in the fight and get a finish is an outstanding trait for a fighter to have lots of fighters. When they're losing, they're lost. They're never coming back. Okay. I'm going to lose by decision. I'm going to go on defense mode. For the rest of this. Not Triscus. He's he wants to win. That's a great trade. Um some of your outcomes, Bobby by stoppage minus one oh five, by decision plus one eighty, DDP by stoppage plus four fifty, and by decision plus one thousand. So Bobby wow. favored to win in a stoppage, but there's some I, there's value there in the in the Dricus stoppage. If money in the Bobby decision too. What'd you say? Plus one eighty? Plus one eighty, Bobby what decision. The hell? Yeah. I feel like in, that's in a three the rounder. Outcome. In a three rounder, that's that's pretty wild to see. That is uh, three sixty five as of midnight. Jumps off the page uh, on Thursday. Uh, but, but yeah, don't take betting one. advice for me, for God's sakes. I'm just, I'm just telling you. We didn't give advice. We just said, we just said what the lines are. We didn't give you. No, that's exactly right. We did say. Well, you said what the lines are. I suppose. That's true. Uh, that is very true. Um, and not to make everything about the fantasy league, but that's I have I have one fighter in each of the each of the three. Um, each of I know, three I'm a little fights. jealous of that. Oh, I got I Robert Whitaker. Della Maybe that's why I was so biased there. That's that's our head to head, and it's me against uh, Marlon in both the. Columbus. Oh, you're up against me and the um, Swagman on Saturday. Damn. Very very inside. I don't think either of you has Josiah Harrell against Jack Della punching bag. I don't think, yeah, earlier. you're not kidding. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> 
but before this, this is one I think I probably have the least info on, but I'm going to have you guide me through here. Uh, at lightweight, it's Dan Hooker out of New Zealand against Jalen the Tarantula Turner. Um, sort of a, a, a mid-rank uh, lightweight fight. Um, Jalen Turner minus 275. Dan Hooker oh, wow. plus 225. Um, guys, uh, you know, looking to, looking to make that name for themselves in this uh, weight class with guys like Chandler and Gaethje and Poirier and Islam and Charles and and Benny. Uh, a lot of guys in this. It's a sort of a deep division, but it's not. Um, nobody's jumping off the page to be like, oh, I would like them sure. to hold a candle to Islam at the end of the day. Uh, where do you make this both um, in this matchup and maybe lightweight as a whole right now? Well, Hooker's so interesting because he was brought in as this new wave from New Zealand. It's Israel Adesanya. It's Kaikara France. It's Dan Hooker. It's Blood Diamond. There's this invasion thing from City Kickboxing. And Hooker looked so good early in his UFC career. But then Zoobs, as you were listing off uh, lightweights and featherweights, Lots of those guys just beat up Dan Hooker badly. Edson Barboza versus yes. Dan Hooker. I'm not joking. I, I've seen so much fighting in my life. I can't even tell you how much combat I've seen. It's one of the worst beatings I've ever seen a human being have to go through. I, I've seen, I watched deathmatch wrestling plenty of weekends. <laughs> I would rather go through a deathmatch than have to go through what Dan Hooker had happened to him at the hands of Edson Barboza. And officially a loss by body punch in the third round. That's officially oh, what it's listed as. Yeah, I, I mean, did you watch that fight live by chance? I don't think I did. 2018, uh, I don't think I'm I telling did. you, you should use my fight pass and go watch that fight at some point this week. And you will say, I thought I had indomitable spirit. <laughs> Dan Hooker, boy, this man, you got to dominate him to get him out of there. So I'm always going to have a soft spot for Dan Hooker because he was sort of one of these, will he, oh, he could be, what's he going to be? And he always feels sort of on the ascent. The UFC likes to push him. He's a great talker. Seems like a very nice guy. Had the shits of luck during uh, COVID lockdowns, lived in different hotels on those empty fight cards all across different countries, Abu Dhabi, New Zealand, the States. He was all over the damn place. But Jalen Turner is somebody that is just a hoot to watch. Super fast hands, very game, like ready to fight. These two are going to put on a, a brawl for as long as it lasts. And I just think Hooker is going to be too slow. I think this is a bad matchup for him. Hooker is not a fast hands guy. It reminds me a bit of like a way worse Carlos Condit back in the day where it's like, you can't make this a speed game. You can't engage in these brawls. You can have very exciting fights in different ways, and we have to bait them into something a little bit more based in tech technical. Get the, oh, oh, we're do okay. We're at step four. We're at step five. Oh, he's still planning on what he's doing. Like that, you can win fights that way and make up for the count and speed difference. But I think it's really going to be on display against Jalen Turner, even though I think on the feet Dan Hooker is more of a has an eight weapon guy. You know, elbows, knees, kicks. He's more in that vein then Jalen Turner, who I think is going to be largely coming out here looking to throw hands on him. But I think he will find Dan Hooker's chin. And I don't know if they'll put him away, but it'll definitely hurt him at points in the fight. And yeah, probably I will call for a KO at some point from Jalen Turner in this one. Your 11-12 matchup in the lightweight division. Oh, interesting. Uh, cool. Turner coming off a loss to the Gamebred fighter. Not the Gamebred fighter, the Gamer. Uh, oh, yeah, the Gamer. Uh, yeah. The gamer, not, not the game brand. Yeah, uh, in uh, what a great Jones gone undercard. But yeah, when you it's so funny you mentioned when you look at the, like the who they've fought, the the names that jump off the list. Dan Hooker, right? You, you mentioned it. You have the Barboza, you have Poirier, you have Chandler, you have Islam, you have Arnold Allen. 
all those guys beat him. Uh, Yair, you have all, all these guys. And then Jalen Turner's, it's not nearly as Brad Riddell was on sure. there, lost Matt Travola. Um, but like Jimmy Malarkey, uh, Eurosh Medic, uh, Brock Weaver, and then the loss to the Gamrot. Not quite the definitely less, you know, not quite the main card sort of co main, you know, sort of sort of level to this. Um, but you still, you sort of think the 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 time is right here for a J1 Turner. Uh, jump up well it really depends so on 28 how you wanna... I mean, 28 is a i forget i forget sometimes that 28 is like you're still sort of calling the guy a prospect exactly right yeah the, his prime is probably well it depends on the weight class too these guys are pretty small that's truer of bigger guys but all the same it's funny because it depends what lens you want to look at these things through does dan hooker have more experience than jaylen turner or does Dan Hooker have more miles on him than Jalen Turner? Because mm. there is a sweet spot there. Again, I'll reference him again. George St. Pierre had all this ring time, or Frankie Edgar, all this ring time because they were very aware and low damage in the ring. And so that's, they're maxed out on experience, right? Dan Hooker has like taken and given so many punches that it feels more <laughs> like miles than experience with him. But I would love to see something very competitive here and uh, entertaining for all of us. And I, I like both guys. So your 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 lean here is is I Turner, do lean Turner, yeah. and I think for as long as they are doing the pocket exchanging, I think it will be laid out on display that Jalen Turner has much faster hands than Dan Hooker. Uh, Turner by finish um, heavy, almost as almost the same odds as Turner alone. Uh, wow. Minus 160 yeah. Turner by finish, plus 450 Hooker to that finish, <laughs> plus 550 and plus 500 uh, for points. That brings us to the curtain jerker of the main event and uh, it's Bo Nickel time. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> huge favorite, minus 2,500 up against, do you, know, do you know the name of the person he's fighting? No, but I got to say, I watched the UFC press conference today. And this gentleman made a magnificent account of himself. If you're there and you're brought in as a jobber, do you have his name up there, Zoops? I do. Valentin Woodburn. If you're going to be brought in as ostensibly the jobber there to lose, be this man. Show up looking like a million bucks in a sixth, uh, what do you call that? Like a starter jacket, tracksuit. Is that a 90s thing, Zoops? You know, the yeah, I think you're right. More than me. I think you're right, tracksuit, yeah. And, and let everybody know that I belong here anyway. I'm not here to lose. This guy wants to overlook me. He wants to wrestle. I'm here to fight. I thought this guy made a hell of a count of himself. He's going out there to lose on Saturday night, whether he likes it or not. But I will remember <laughs> him and be more interested next time he fights. And that's the literally the most you can do in this situation. Uh, if on two days notice, and hopefully this doesn't, doesn't happen to you, Zoops. But for some reason, if on two days notice, you have to fight Bo Nickel. Show up to that press conference and say, hey, let's, I'm, I'm here to make some money because I want these people to remember me for next time because this is a big spotlight. Let's make a moment. And no one's expecting me to win. I got nothing to lose. Let's go out there. I'm going to throw my hardest punches, my hardest kicks. And if this guy out grapples me, everybody's going to understand. I really, really, really well done by uh, Mr. Woodburn, I thought, uh, on this media week. Do you like continuing to have the cards open with Bo Nickel when he's on it? No. Where would you be, where would you be stashing him? Maining the pre-show? No, I think the the feature belt three up is where you do the big prospect thing. Opening the card, it's always a little brazen to me. It's like this is with Sean O'Malley too in the beginning. It's okay, like, he's gonna open up the Conor McGregor pay per views and he's gonna beat up uh, the the local gas station attendant. And it just, I know that is what we're doing here, but it is a little bit like okay, what are we gonna open up the card with? Like to me, Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner is spiritually. You and I are wrestling guys. You know, the hot tag match opens the mm -hmm. pay per view. 
that match is more spiritually the hot tag. You're, you're fast open or something that's going to get attention. Okay, these people pay, laid down their 60 bucks. Whoa, they already feel like it might be worth it. Instead of, look at this guy. He's going to beat up this other guy in dramatic fashion. Just But we know we're going to have a lot of eyeballs in this moment and full attention of everyone at the bar who hasn't tuned out by the third fight, etc. Uh, that's your main card. Um, most looking forward to of those five fights, would you say? What would you say? Pantoja Moreno? Yeah, Pantoja Moreno would be my number one. How about yourself? Got to be my guy, Volk. I, I can't wait. I've been, I, yeah, I had well, this circled for a while. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'll stay with Moreno, Pantoja, but th- that main is quality. And gosh, if somebody said, hey, just seeing Bobby Knuckles do his thing in like against a relevant person is theirs, like, no problem with that either. I think it's just a really great card. Well, that's a quality, quality card. And of course, it's a long show. There's plenty of action on the pre-show. I know you have one you want to touch on. I just Please. want to quickly shout out my guy, uh, Jack Della Maddalena, major favorite in the second to last fight, minus 1,000 over Josiah Harrell, who I think they just found um, <laughs> to fight him. Yeah. Love Jack Della. There's my there's my first, um, not first, but like I, I, you're picking the prospect out and you right. see him fighting and you're like, this dude, this dude, sky is limit for me 26 years old um has been has been battering people smacked around randy brown um other guys danny roberts ramzan emev um crushing guys lefts and liver punches and stoppage via punch is like littered all over this uh card i love it you love to see a stoppage via punch you hate to see it uh but just a, a a real a real guy that i look at and i see like that dude um that dude is going to be trouble uh for a while in this division uh at welterweight at 170 a division i do like quite a bit jack della is my to watch um aside from the one you want to talk about was there anything else on the pre on the pre-show um that jumps out to get jimmy crew in here yeah I, that was the other one i was going to shout out just uh he, he's up against uh what's his name alonzo manifield manifield thank you uh manifield and him that's a good scrap those those two guys, although also tells you a little bit about where things are because those guys were sort of hot prospects in that division for a period of time. You wouldn't necessarily have matched them up. You would have said, oh, later down the road, they'll meet up. And now it's like, who still has the, who's going to get the push and the gas? I, I like this matchup a lot. I think they're both going to be thrown from the hip. Uh, Gunslinger's delight. I'll go out of my way to watch that one for certain. I think it's the closest uh, on the odds on the book. That's the closest fight of the day. Minus one thirty eight for Crew, yeah. plus one ten for Manyfield. Also, Just the way Tetsuya, those guys fight, it is a coin yeah. flip. You got Tetsuya Tyra on here. Uh, I know that's one of Blake's guys, one of Blake's prospects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Japanese thirteen and zero against Edgar Sharayas. Uh, he is a minus one thousand favorite. But you wanted to talk about uh, the legend saying goodbye this weekend. It's Robbie Lawler against Nico Price. Robbie Lawler has. Among the greatest fight catalogs of anyone to ever do the damn thing. Of all the people who have ever said, let's settle it here. Not right here and turn the camera on. Robbie Lawler has one of the best catalogs ever. If you have YouTube, type in Robbie Lawler versus Melvin Manhoof next time you need to be woken up. Oh, I'm (laughs) tired in the morning. Oh, I got to wake up. You just, oh, Robbie. I'm not even going to tell you what happens. I'm leaving it to you. Robbie Lawler versus Melvin Manhoof, M-A-N-H-O-E-F. And he has a million of these things. Him and Carlos Condit is maybe the best fight to ever happen for a UFC championship. A million moments. Even, and but, I think he's here to get his ass kicked. That's what uh, they do. it bums me out. They do. And I'm no big believer in Nico Price either. I, I just think 
When, last we saw Bob Lawler, I bet big on uh, his jabroni opponent last time too. What's that guy's name? Um, oh goodness, I like watching a fight. Barbarina, Brian Barbarina. There you go. <laughs> I like watching that guy fight, but it's like you're man, he's not any good, and he feasted on poor Bob Lawler in 2022. <laughs> you know, I don't need to see the ruthless one on the receiving end. Of, this was the guy who it was like champions feared. He took the title from Tyron Woodley by being like, or no, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't let break, Tyron blasted him. I have that reversed. He takes the title from Johnny Hendricks by being like, stand in this phone booth with me. Oh, you're trying to back up? That is fine. I will still be here. Just a phenomenal all-time all-violence fighter. If you have an afternoon one day, you're a little bored, you have fight pass. Type in Robbie Lawler and just just click. Just oh yeah, I bet this. Oh yeah, that, and you'll you'll largely be happy with what you find. Matt Brown, just rows of classics. Uh, yeah, one in five in his last six, dating back to 2017, which takes that makes sense. Six years of six years before of the Diaz win was Cerrone's last win. It was basically oh basically six years ago in July 29th, 2017. I mean, six years, but a lifetime ago. Like, Cerrone was already washed. Like, he washed Cerrone six years ago. Oh, (laughs) that's bad. Yeah, it's it's time to hang it up for Robbie Lawler. What is there? Is there any odds here? What can I get Nico Price at some decent value? Uh, also, I think I think his fight against Warren McDonald's going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Yeah, that deserves it. Have you seen that one before? Nico Price minus two fifty. Robbie Lawler plus two hundred. Nico, Nico Price, Price inside the distance. I'll, I'll just tell you, I'd, I'd be looking at whatever that number is. Minus one hundred five. So yeah, that's uh, well, that, that feels pretty in. likely to me too. Let me just type in a wager amount. There we go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> While I'm here, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> might hit enter. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's one that I, I don't I don't understand the matchmaking except to say that the UFC has no idea how to handle it or book its legends. It always does this to basically everybody. They had That's Anderson strange. Silva fighting Derek Brunson and shit. It's like, do you guys have any idea what's just, do you know, do you like promotion at all? And this feels like one of those. Robbie Lawler, if you gave him the main event of a fight night anywhere near Florida against another legacy guy, Jorge Masvidal, a, a Matt Brown rematch, Jim Miller, somebody of this ilk, that arena would be on fire for what was going down before them. And so it's like, well, how about you get, how do you get blasted by some youngster on the prelims? How's that sound, Bob? <laughs> Sorry, close yeah, the prelims sorry. though. The, they close. That's where they put them. They make them close out the prelims so they can end it with the Robbie Lawler interview where he puts his gloves down. That's what. That's what the, they do. The the worst promoter of all time, Dana White, loves to say the main event of the prelims. Yes. <laughs> if you, just chew on that one. If, if you're if you're driving in your car right now, I encourage you to pause this podcast and chew on the term main event of the prelims for a minute. Just, so it's the, it's the main. It's not, you know, it doesn't make the most sense, does it? It does not. Uh, speaking of prelims, they get underway 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Saturday. Main card time is 10 o'clock. Good prelim, great main card. Uh, it's a hot summer. Like, if you look at, uh, I think, 291, also quite good. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the uh, BMF yeah, championship. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then rocks. I believe we have, uh, we have, Sugar Sean in 292 in Boston. Um, Very cool. So, yeah, Poirier Gates G2 is next. What's the co-main on that one? I forget. It also rocks. That card rules. Uh, because it was announced the day uh, Francis announced the right. PFL signing. Oh, it's uh, Blahovich against Alex Pereira. Right. And you there's something Apollo else fight. really good on that card, isn't there? 
Paulo Costa is on that card. Bobby go. Green against Tony Ferguson. Stephen Thompson against go. Michael Pereira. Derek Lewis is on this card. Kevin Kaseya is on this card. Um, yeah, lots going on. And then we there's even a there's even a great fight night. We have uh, Saint Hagen against Umar coming up as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the the fight night next weekend is maybe the worst card they've ever put yeah, out. We're but not, we're not gonna... but uh, <laughs> I'll say let me let me say this real quick that uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them turn around Bo Nickel real quick and get him on another pay per view this summer or maybe September. Uh, Abu what's that? Abu Dhabi October yeah but I, I think, I think they'll him... want to turn Bo Nickel around quickly and have him fighting relevant people by this time next year uh should be very exciting um thank you for coming along Josh thank you for making the time this yes. evening thank UFC. you if you listen to this uh it's a dream of mine to get to talk about MMA into a microphone and to do it with the zooms only amplifies the dreams so I uh, really really appreciate your listenership on this one thank you we will catch you on Wednesday. You know where to find us, twitch.tv slash wrestlingbrain. It is AE Double Dudes, and uh, we'll upload it on here. And, of course, look for Comics in the Combat Zone, Episode 3, coming out on Tuesday. And even though it's not the Ace of the Universe on this show, we do end, of course, by saying love and energy. Love and energy. Love and energy.